0: ...serve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The world is very different now, for man holds in his mortal hands the power to abolish all forms of human poverty and all forms of human life. Let both sides explore what problems unite us, instead of belaboring those problems which divide us. We dare not forget today that we are the heirs of that first revolution. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country.
1: You're officially recording. Uh, you're being recorded for legal purposes. You know this now.
0: Yes. Do we, me. Do we play the music so we get into the mood? Or do we just jump right into
1: pretending we, like
0: we just heard the intro?
1: We jump right into here, pretending like we heard the intro, because I have not figured out how to play the music while recording uh, yet. So, just got to cut it out. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, once we're in person, it'll be a lot easier to do that. So, um, I can figure that out. So, uh, yeah, let's get going. Okay. Aaron, it's time to talk politics again.
0: Oh, I'm so excited we've come to our favorite tavern um to have some good drinks, uh yeah. drinks, eat some uh terrible bar food and uh talk politics. This is yeah. fun.
1: So I set the topic for this week, uh you know, we're going to talk about the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation and start talking about the Constitution. Next episode we'll continue through with the Constitution. Uh so I'm going to label this one America 101 Introduction to Revolution and Governance uh, as our episode name. But I think before we get any further, we should talk about our beer because I think there's going to be a drinking episode. Oh, so we yes. got Highwater Brewing's Campfire Stout here.
0: Crack it. That's
1: a pretty good beer.
0: You I, like I, the meal in a can, don't you?
1: I do like the meal in a can. I did almost get a off red, white, and blue. Um, but I think, you know, Should have. Uh, Jenny's uh, cream ale is high on the list. But now we've got our mead coming. So that's going to hold us through for the next few episodes.
0: Yes. Different so. types of mead. We're going to be all fancy as fuck.
1: I do so. want to say I, I was wish I would be drinking this around a real campfire right now, though.
0: Hmm. Well, we're both in our basement, so, you know, if you got a little metal trash can, you know, we can pretend.
1: Oh, yeah. That warm. We, we could definitely do that.
0: Well, so should I tell the story of um, how I came to find this beer? So Yeah, the... it
1: was this one a hard one?
0: Okay, so for all three of our listeners, um, Jake will always pick the beverage that we shall imbibe on these episodes, and he somehow has a knack to (laughs) find something incredibly easy for him based on his normal shopping period patterns that uh, ends up setting me to Middle Earth um, only to be disappointed and find it somewhere else. So this one was a bit of an interesting excursion. Um, I figured I would um, find... It a lot easier than I did the last time uh, you sent me on a um, amazing race to find an alcohol. And I figured, you know what, I'm going to instead of trying to find it at a local grocery store or, um, you know, a little local shop near me, I'm just going to go to um, a store that specializes in beer and they'll absolutely have it. Um, So I went to one out my way. And I'm a browser. I like to browse. That's why I didn't go to Beers of the World because I wasn't sure if they were allowing in person or not yet. And I didn't really want to just pull up and have something handed to me because, as I said, I like to browse. Um, So after walking around for 25 minutes in a place that only sells beer, I asked, finally found someone after striking out and said, uh, do you have this? And I showed them a picture and they said, oh, I believe so. Come with me. And uh, they bring me over to a section that has some funky fresh brews. And they didn't have it. And he picks up something else and he goes, well, this is close. I went, that's not close. I need the real thing. (laughs) And he said, well, if you're looking for the flavor pattern, uh, you're misunderstanding me, sir. I I need this. I don't (laughs) think we have this. Great. Could have told me that after the five-mile hike over here. So... Then, I went to a series of Wegmans and Tops, which had nothing, and then in my utter malaise and disappointment, uh, head tucked between my legs, wandering home, I decide to stop for gas and fill up and go into the store to get an energy drink, and lo and behold, this rare exclusive brew is sitting in a gas station convenience (laughs) shelf in their specialty beer section, which consisted of, like, six other beers and the Smirnoff Red, White, and Blue Ice. So I went to the ends of the earth for this, and I could have just gone down the road to the gas station half a
1: mile away. Your life will be easier, hopefully, by the next time we shoot the episode, because our mead will have been delivered to my doorstep I will split <laughs> the cans up so we each get our six cans, the four of us that went in on it, and we'll we'll have our next six drinks out of that. So <laughs> that should hopefully make your life easier.
0: Oh, I hope so.
1: All right, so you're ready to dive in and start with the Declaration of Independence.
0: Yes, now that I've uh, bitched my way uh, through my drink.
1: All right, so for a historical perspective, everyone should know this, but on July 4th, 1776, uh, the colonies of America declared their independence from Great Britain, which kicked off the Revolutionary War. Um, It's not a light thing to declare your independence from your ruling country, so they sent a letter expressing the exact reasons they wanted to declare independence from Great Britain. Um, I think a lot of people know some basic lines from this, but don't actually read the Declaration of Independence. And I think you should read it at least once a year, around the 4th of July. I've now read it and take notes on it. And I think some of the points they have for declaring independence still ring true today in rereading it. Uh, But I want to take some key points to point out some facts in the Declaration of Independence. So uh, I think this might be the first time we hear of the United States of America. It's referenced in the Declaration. And I want to point out that the U is lowercase. I think that's important as we move on to the Articles of Confederation. They were the States of America united in a cause But I don't think at the time they saw themselves as a single country when they declared their independence. And I think I'm reading a book right now called um, American Nations that kind of proves that they may not have seen each other as a single country.
0: I would agree with that. And I think even if they did have an inkling of being a single country or a desire for it, I mean, definitely, the political climate at the time was there was there was no real unity between the colonies, um, and then you know, obviously between the states, which you know we'll touch on in the Articles of Confederation, where it becomes abundantly clear I, they are rough. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's it was a very real. Um, belief and understanding that the states were pretty much together by circumstance and you know pretty much just you know through their common cause and proximity and and not really because they really wanted to be united um against britain it's i mean the best uh, propaganda from the time is the don't tread on me and you know i think they they all understood that if they weren't together on it they'd all be crushed and even if a particular state decided to um side with britain they'd either be crushed by the other states or britain would just destroy them for retaliation so i fully um support the belief that they whether intending or just you know reading the room so to speak didn't really believe that um, this at that point, the states were united in really any way other than convenience.
1: Yeah. And I think um, this will be a continuing topic through the Articles of Confederation and uh, a little bit of history when we talk about ratifying the Constitution when we get on to that section. Um, so the next point I want to draw out is uh, paragraph two of the Declaration, I think might be one of the most important paragraphs uh it states a lot in it but a couple things i want to point out um for our discussion here are uh you know they they do put out all men are created equal in this paragraph mm-hmm. uh they are very religious while not being denominationally religious right. uh, laws of nature and nature's creator things like that they have They're very nonspecific in their religion. And I also always have found out it interesting that um, we used life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness over the traditional life, liberty, and property in that paragraph. So,
0: Well, I think it's interesting when you read historical texts and you you learn about the climate of the time – you know, especially John Adams really pushing Thomas Jefferson to be the one to write the Declaration of Independence. And, you know, from all accounts of the time, he was very uncomfortable having that burden originally placed on him, um, you know, to the point that, uh, you know, when he very, f- you know, his very first draft, you know, he threw out there that uh, Great, uh, that Great Britain has forced slavery on the colonies. And, you know, right now it's unclear, you know, if he meant that the, you know, Great Britain was basically treating the colonies as, you know, into servitude of Great Britain, or if, you know, he really meant that the only reason that the original colonies had slaves was because, you know, Great Britain forced it upon us to be um, competitive, you know, from a business standpoint. But the, the... I mean, there's always been conflicting information with Thomas Jefferson about the fact that he, you know, he did own slaves. He was a Virginian. You know, you, ha- you did that at that stage. But, you know, there's so much conflicting evidence about his personal beliefs with it.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think if you want a deeper understanding of some of that stuff, I- I'm going to keep probably throwing out this book today. I am currently reading Colin Woodard's. American nations uh, the 11 states or nations of America is the subtitle and he talks about the founding of the different geographical regions of America and what he says are the 11 cultures that came out of it and there is very much proof uh, that first of all slavery was brought to America by the Dutch in New Netherlands and then it spread out Um, the British didn't bring it over but that the British subjects saw themselves as slaves to the crown or indentured servants they did not at the time see that that differently and early um african immigrants uh to america um, in the 1600s actually most times weren't slaves were indentured servants and could buy their freedom to the point that they could become landowners that had their own indentured servants now, right. that changed by the time America founded, but I think that plays into the idea that all men are created equal, some of the, the verbiage that Jefferson put into there. I believe yeah. he believed in those high ideals, but did not practice those high ideals he believed in. Right.
0: And to go to the change from you know life, liberty, and property to the pursuit of happiness, I think that touches – You know, my personal belief with that is it's hard to get people to rally around a cause when the cause is I get to live freely and keep my stuff. But when you raise the ideals to life, liberty and shit, man, can't we just live our life? And be happy, then you can rally a people because the colonies were so drastically different from, you know, economically socio. Uh you'll learn that I don't. I will screw up big words. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. Th- throughout all of this, yeah, it's a uh, it's a good time. It's not because I'm drinking a campfire in a can. It's uh, just how my brain works, um, because. I'm a business major. Jake's the one that actually got the poli sci degree. So yeah,
1: and and I I I do things with phones with that degree. So (laughs) this is the most I've used it in a while, and I it's why we're doing this. Very much enjoyed reading these historical documents, highlighting them, taking notes on them. I feel like I could be a teacher. I've got five pages of notes for today's episode. Um, We'll start a class. Yeah, we will start a class. I mean, for some people, this could be their class they could be learning about things they've never known about before. Um, so um, in that that paragraph that I'm referring to, um, th- there's a key part to me that I think we should point out because then we're going to talk about these next segments. It, and it's, um, you know, it is the right and their duty to throw off governments and to provide new guards for the future security. And then he goes on, such has been the patient suffrage. ...of these colonies, and such is it now necessary, which constrains them to alter their former system of government. Uh, So, you know, he much goes into, it's common for people to suffer, and the government's not always at fault for that suffering. But when a suffering reaches a certain point, and the government is no longer protecting the people around it that suffering is at the government's point and it is the right and duty of the people to overthrow their government and to provide new guards for the government for the people's future um and then he goes into many many points on things uh that great britain has done so i think we should hop into those unless you have something on that
0: well the only thing that I have on that is just the, the, the interesting point that gets made early on and right before it, um, the whole, the whole belief that these are, you know, God given rights. And, you know, as you said early, you know, the, the laws of nature and, and the creator. And I think it's, interesting important to keep note as we dive into the rest of it you know and then you know the constitution you know going forward the the key takeaway i take from that and that that's very important to keep in mind because it it sets the mindset of where everything else comes from is that the the rights bestowed upon us you know, they believed was, you know, God given rights. And we use that term, we throw that away. But you got to take it in the context of these are God given rights. The role of the government was never to give the rights to the citizens. You know, and, and this comes off preachy, but, you know, the government can't give these rights to the citizens. God has already given them to them. The government's role is merely to protect these rights that citizens already inalienably have. And I think that is a major thing that in future generations keeps getting lost. And it's if you actually think about the mindset behind that, it takes a significant amount of power actually away from the government because a lot of people believe that it's the government's right to bestow rights and um, powers onto the citizens, where if you take just that simple line from the beginning of the the Declaration of Independence, government doesn't have the right to really bestow anything. We already have it. It's their job to protect it. And that's, I think, where they were going with, um, with calling out Great Britain was that, you know, you've switched... From protecting our rights To believing that you could give them And take them away at will
1: Yeah, um, Agreed And I think That is something that people uh, Lose out on It's a quote From JFK That I think is very important Uh, You know Ask not What your government can do for you But what you you know, that famous quote.
0: Yeah. You gotta uh, do it with the accent, though. Ask I can't do it.
1: Not... <laughs> I, I can't do it. Um. But, you know, when people become complacent, they allow governments to run amok. And I think complacency has got us where we are today. Everyone praises... Obama as this great president. And though he was a good president, he still didn't obey a lot of laws. Obama's not this hero president that people make him out to be. Right. And the di- disillusion of what government has been meant for has been happening since the 70s here and it has gotten us to where we are today. And I think that's why some of the points in these documents are actually valid today. And I I think the first one I want to bring to, um, and maybe this will be controversial to you, is uh, he has a point in here that he's refused to pass laws for the accommodation for large districts of people unless those people would relinquish their rights of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to their them and formable to tyrants only so here i want to talk about we have uh large swaths of american citizens that don't have true representation in the federal government and uh that is any territory of america but mainly washington dc and puerto rico they have (laughs) representatives there that cannot vote um I think that directly reflects upon this exact line. Why do we have American citizens that do not hold the same rights as every other American citizen?
0: Right. Well, so as someone that lived in D.C. for four years, um, and not for politics because I went to school there and, uh, you know, ended up working in the private sector like uh, an idiot because everybody else works in government there. <laughs> but um, – it's I've always been against the fact that, you know, D.C. and the territories don't have any representation in the government. I mean, 100 percent. I agree. It, I mean, you're right. They called it out. They said, how can you be a citizen of this country and have no representation? Um, does that mean that these places have to become states? I mean, Puerto Rico has historically voted not to become a state, which I think is fine, but it doesn't mean that they, I mean, the argument always, well, if they wanted representation, they should, you know, they should vote to become a state. You know, it's it's their choice that they have no representation in Congress. But, I mean, you bring up a great point. These are American citizens. You know, these are, you know, countrymen. What happened to the fact that, you know, no taxation without representation uh DC used to have that on their license plate until uh, someone thought it was offensive and they forced <laughs> them to take it off, which if you're offended, that's your opinion. Who the fuck cares if you're offended? That's great. What happens? Are, are you offended stones?
1: because you're like, oh shit, we, we tax them without giving them representation.
0: <laughs> well, let's I mean, not bring that up. But I mean here my solution was always just don't give them full representation because they're not they're not a full state entity. But you should still give them the right to vote. Um, I mean, you tax them. Fucking sales tax is astronomical in DC. And my belief was always look, you know, I just said, look, it's simple. Um, DC is not a full state. You know, it's a, you know, classified as a territory. Same thing with Puerto Rico. Just give them half representation, give them one senator instead of two, figure out what they would get in the House, divide it in half. They get well, representation, but they don't have full representation because, you know, they're not – they're not fully – you know, because the argument is, you know, without being a full-fledged state, they're technically not paying fully into the federal government.
1: Well, let's talk about if we gave them half, half representation. Let's say we came up with a basic territory of the United States law and that if you're a territory of the United States, you get one House member and one senator. Um doesn't matter population that is what you get you get one and one so you get some voting rights in both bodies um there are five u.s territories and washington dc six new senators would completely change the makeup of the senate 106 voting people in the senate and would almost destroy the republican majority that they've had ...based on the fact that smaller bodied states, less populous states, get two senators.
0: Right. Well, I mean, that's... that's, We assume that they would
1: all go to one side. I'm not saying they would all go to one side, but I believe four out of the six would. It would be enough to make a difference in the body the legislative that that is what i'm saying um and then for the house it wouldn't make an extra six votes on their what 500 and something votes wouldn't make that much of a difference but it would give them the representation they need to you know be true members like we forget puerto rico suffered a massive hurricane and then didn't really have any representation in our response to that hurricane to the point that we had friends of friends of friends in the senate getting the deal to fix the electric in puerto rico even though they never worked outside of a small municipality they weren't ready to handle that type of job yeah and we need to give these people representation it is alone a recent we declared independence from great britain right. so that is my point on this point
0: i think also the the biggest issue with dc um, from the framers you know and the founders perspective is was it was never meant to be what it is now it no. was never it was never meant to have permanent residence in it I mean, let's be honest. Government wasn't supposed to be a fucking career. You weren't supposed to be a politician for life. It was, it was a volunteer. It was servitude. Um, Congressman makes six figures. Why? Why Absolutely. the fuck are they earning that much? I think, to be completely honest, to go off on a slight tangent, I think if you're a member of Congress, you should be put up. I think they should have basically uh, like a dormitory dormitory style building. You should get your one bedroom apartment. You should get sixty five grand a year, seventy it's d c. we will give you seventy five because you're gonna have to eat at Foga to show once a week that'll blow your entire budget seventy five grand a year. Nothing else. fuck off. like
1: I think we could do a whole episode on the d c <laughs> and whether founding d c was a good idea. I understand New York City was the seat of our government before that but i know other countries have done it but maybe america would have been better off without a permanent seat of government that it was a rotation of the capitals of each state or something where the government moved every 10 years or something that is logistically in this day and age impossible um but but i think there's discussions to be have on whether dc was a smart idea
0: I think the mistake was making it a sovereign, independent territory. I think that's what fucked the whole thing up. I think the North and the South should have just put aside their differences and picked, you know, a city
1: and just Baltimore.
0: Right, and just Baltimore gone, is
1: now the seat of the government. Yeah, just gone with
0: it. Um, but yeah, you know, that's that's the whole point. I mean, getting back to the Declaration and the and the lowercase U. That was the only way they could make it work because, you know, we weren't one
1: country. We were a... Oh, just wait till the Civil War episode when we a, talk about the fact we were not one country and it's questionable whether we are today.
0: My my favorite line is, um, we were, it was a perpetual union of independent states. And, yes. And, uh... That, uh, that plays out in the Articles of Confederation, and then eventually in the Civil War. Yeah. But uh, we'll we'll get to, for all, for all three of our listeners, we'll get to that later.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I've shared this. I think we had five listeners on episode zero, so, you know. It, it, actually, we had a couple. Um, hey, Terry. Uh, before we go into the uh, next topic I really want to dive into, I just want to take a quick point on another thing, which was he has dissolved representation dissolved representative houses repeatedly uh, for opposing with mainly firmness his invasion of the rights of the people. Um, There's nothing here really to point out in modern day, but I do want to point out that Trump did threaten this a while ago. Um, He couldn't get uh, some of his things approved through both houses, and he threatened to use a rare clause in the Constitution to dissolve the um house and senate for a time being so he could put in temporary uh seats um not something that's really happened but it is a threat which solves another cause of us declaring a oh oh um, wait oh you
0: you mean you mean kind of how uh you know our Fuhrer Cuomo has di- had disbanded uh the legislator of New York so that he could declare supreme executive rule over the state of new york you mean like that you uh, mean like that jake
1: uh, you know don't even get me started on cuomo and the fact that he had a group investigating um corruption in politics until they found out that he had brought in corruption in politics and he quickly quickly dissolved that before they could get that investigation underway uh yeah new york state has its own issues with uh the Cuomo mafia and the fact that uh, his dad's bridge uh, was almost our license plate uh, to just give more power to the Cuomo family. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, there's some issues there, Um, but we digress. Yeah. So the next point I think I wanted to bring my attention to was uh, he's obstructed the administration of justice by refusing to assent to the laws for establishing judiciary powers. Um, We got to talk about Berman right now and what happened on Friday. Are you all up to speed with this? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, SDNY, very big part in the federal government's, uh, judiciary branch. Um, they're responsible for, I think the Epstein trial right now. They're responsible for the, some of the stuff going on with Turkey right now. Um, Preet Bharara, who hosts a podcast, was on there for a while, and he got fired by Trump and replaced with this guy, um, I forget his first name, but Berman's his last name, and his replacement went on too long. No one was officially nominated through Congress. Uh, Court came in and pretty much said, yeah, your appointment's permanent until someone passes through Congress. Um, Barr tried to fire him Friday night. And Berman said, no. And then Barr said, Trump told me to fire you. And Trump said, I didn't tell Barr to fire you. Um, And there's a lot of theories out there that SDNY is looking into something that's both bad for Barr and Trump. And that's why they're trying to get rid of him. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, multiple times I think we can point to the current administration has done things that have not outright obstructed the administration of justice, but have been shady enough that it's a valid bullet point in some ways.
0: I mean, I somewhat agree. My issue with the the only issue I take with um, the the stance that by trying to get rid of Berman, it you know it derails anything that's being worked on, takes away from I, it. In my opinion, it comes from a very simple a simple idea of how our government works and misses the it it works it rests on this belief that you know one person in a position really controls a lot of what's going on in reality, especially when it comes to the law and investigations. If, if Berman was to leave tomorrow, the way that office is operating really wouldn't stop. And this is coming from, you know, an insider knowledge of, you know, you know, cause I lived, you know, in DC and Virginia for, you know, many years and had friends that worked in government agencies and worked in these agencies under Obama, and then when the Trump administration came in, and uh, you know I had friends that worked at the you know to use an example it worked at the EPA, which <laughs> Obama versus Trump, two <laughs> completely different little ideologies and how it worked, and yeah, the top brass left or got cleaned out. Everything underneath that pretty much stayed the same. The projects they were working on, the things that they were going, and the the biggest takeaway that I took from that from a friend of mine that worked there was, you know, they they lost a considerable amount of staff, but the project stayed the same, and yes, in initially it was hard and things slowed down because they had the same amount of work, less people, but as we've all pretty much learned from the last three months of being on lockdown, you can get a lot done with less people once you figure out how to be oh, more yeah. efficient. And, you know, shortly thereafter, everybody was working, you know, doing two or three jobs. So I, I think something's going on with Berman, but I don't think it's as nefarious as everybody wants to hype it up to be. I don't I don't think that there's some big secret investigation that's going on because just I mean basically firing him or saying hey he's quitting that all that would do would bring it to the to the forefront.
1: Yeah, I mean I 100% agree with that. I will give you I one bit do not trust Barr. He is not independent. He is a Trump lackey or someone who is actually controlling Trump. uh, Because I can never tell whether or not Trump is the one in control or the puppet himself. Um, And Barr has a million reasons for uh, conspiracy, real quick here, for the Epstein stuff to disappear as quickly as possible. Epstein died on suicide watch while Barr was AG. In a government facility that Barr was officially in control of, Barr's father hired Jeffrey Epstein as a teacher at the school that Barr's father worked at um, now the SDNY may have been doing some investigation into what happened with Epstein and Barr wants this guy fired um, I know this gets into my other podcasting conspiracy but uh, there's some shady shit there
0: oh, I was just you just fed into my conspiracy that the uh, left and the right are just working together to keep the American people fighting each other. And uh, there is no left. There is no right. It's all just the people in control.
1: The party told us we were always at war with East Asia or whatever. Oceana, whichever one it was (laughs) at the end of the book. I don't remember. Um, So yeah, that, that was my point. There was mainly like, you know, there is some question to the law of justice. I, I, I think we can get into this in the Constitution and possibly the amendments on whether or not the Department of Justice should even fall in the executive branch or should technically fall under the um, legislative or judicial branch. But that is not for right here, I don't think. Um, Okay. So uh, the last little bit before we get into the end here is um, the section on military and... um, I think we got to point this out with we talked about the militarization of the police. Um, I question if the, the police as they stand in big cities are actually militias, not police forces anymore. Um, and if some of these may apply, um, especially for keeping standing armies without the consent of the legislators, quartering large bodies of troops among us and for pe- protecting them by mock trial from punishment for any murders, which they should commit on the inhabitants of these States. Now we, we can talk about a uh, ton here, but um, I, I think it's questionable. Um, I, I again will say this is not all cops, but there has been some shady stuff that happened with cops and American citizens Over the years, and we talked about George Floyd a lot last time. So,
0: yeah, in our current events intro podcast. I mean, and and once again, you know, we've talked about, I mean, we both agree that there has been an over militarization um, of police. We all know it started with the war on drugs, and it was look, we're going to sell old, uh, you know, old military equipment to the police so that they're able to, you know, fight those terrible people with all their drugs um yeah if you i mean i guess you know the argument is pretty much a gray argument and it's skirting the line by basically saying there it's not a militia it's it's a police department i mean
1: with military grade equipment
0: yeah my whole
1: point here comes down to the fact if you demilitarize the police this does not apply anymore
0: right and and i think really that's all you need to do i mean there's there's no real reason that you know a small town in idaho needs a tank a swat van and um semi-automatic rifles there's you know, there's no real reason for it. If you need that type of firepower and um, security, you need to be calling in the National Guard. Um, police agree. are supposed to serve and protect, and the majority of police serve and protect, but the problem is when you... it. I think it stems from this... I don't know if it's a uniquely American belief or just human belief, but the attempt to be all things to all people.
1: The, the police are, are obviously trying to fulfill too many jobs in American culture. Um, they, they shouldn't be responding to ambulance calls. If someone has a heart attack, sometimes cops show up that that is not the cops jobs. That is right. medical professionals jobs. Um, if, there's a missing autistic kid um, I don't think the police should be on the search for that They aren't trained on how to deal with people with autism on the daily That is, again, not within their realm But it is things they have to respond to Because we have made the police be the catch-all right. For all American 911 problems
0: Right, It we we basically need... And one or two more divisions of local emergency services, you know, exactly. fire department, EMS and police, you know, just aren't cutting it. And I mean, the same thing goes to firefighters. Why? Why do we send a fire battalion to um, someone's house who's having a heart attack? You know, because, you know, the it's... response is always, well, they're trained in EMS and they can usually get there faster than an ambulance. Well, fucking figure out how to get the ambulance there quicker.
1: Do and you, that's the problem too. And whether and we, we need more departments or to expand the roles of the existing departments, like I think certain emergency services could be covered by the EMS um, right. that we are that are currently covered by the police today.
0: Well, I think the biggest problem with emergency services in America is the fact that the police and the fire department are. Um, local entities, and almost all EMS are privatized. Yeah. And, I mean, an ambulance coming to your house shouldn't result in a bill. You know, if my house gets broken into and the police show up, I you know, if if they arrest the guy, they don't say, by the way, you're going to be getting a bill in the mail for, like, $3,000. Um, you know, one, for responding to the call. Two, we had to break down your door three yeah, an uh, itemized list of right jo- joey got stabbed by the robber um i discharged my weapon three times you know each bullet was 15 a piece like that doesn't happen so if we don't do that when a cop shows up or we don't do that you know firefighter hey by the way we use 36 gallons of water to put out you know your toaster <laughs> that caught on fire um you joey
1: <laughs> you want a real world example for this when i was living in brockport i tried to cook a roast with whiskey and put the lid on the pan and actually set the pan on fire in my oven and had to call the fire department by the oh. time they showed up the fire was out because the lid popped off the whiskey burned off the rim and no fire but i didn't get charged for that that was a right. call to the fire department and all i got out of it was a couple firemen laughing at me and one of them saying it smells like a distillery in his apartment right now
0: well i'll do you one better uh growing up uh one time uh, my dad's house, uh, being an old house, doesn't have the best uh, or didn't have the best uh, fire alarm system. And at one point, the, syst- the his whole security system glitched and because the fire alarm was tied to the fire department. But it glitched in such a way that if the fire alarm went off, you couldn't turn it off. And we had a big family gathering and someone decided to make some toast. And they left it in the toaster oven way too long, burnt, set off the fire alarm. Couldn't figure out how to turn it, turn off the fire alarm. And because the system had glitched, it sent an alert to the fire department that the house no longer had power, which anybody who's ever worked in emergency services knows that if a building is on fire and then is sending out a distress call that it is no longer receiving power, that is a situation that could go kaboom. So um, a ladder and two, um, two pumper trucks. Wherever those are, showed up in my dad's house while we're having this little reunion. Uh, fire chief came up, and we're all hanging outside, and we're like, oh, look at all these fire trucks. What the hell's going on? And then they came out, and they're like, your house is burning down. We're like, "No, nope, it's okay. They came in. They had to investigate. You know, they, my dad is like, oh, I guess someone just made toast. Good laugh. <laughs> Everybody, you know, fire department laughs. You know, the fire chief laughs. And then he goes, all right, well, I think we're done here. And you get a squawk on the radio, you know, you know, uh, chief just looking for an update. And he goes, uh, yep, we're going to give the all clear. It was just burnt toast. Well, at this point, because uh, there's three massive fire trucks that are parked on Highland Ave, uh, there are people watching going, what's going on? So over the loudspeaker, they yell, uh, everyone, uh, everything is okay." It was just burnt toast. I repeat, everyone is okay. It was just a case of burnt toast.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But once but again, you got no itemized bill. From bill. That. No. Yeah. No. But if if you're having a heart attack, you're going to get a bill, which is why we send the police to health and mental health calls and why the fire department shows up too. And, and they that's, fucked. that's fucked
1: up. They shouldn't.
0: No. Ugh. So I I fully believe there should be extra divisions. We put we put too much burden on the cops because I mean cuz that's I guess the also the other problem and I know we've completely digressed from what our <laughs> what we're supposed to be talking about but this is welcome to the podcast this is what's going to happen. We're passionate yeah. people. Yeah. Um the I mean that that is that also leads to a really bad psychological issue for someone you know, operating as a cop because when you're being sent to calls like that, you don't know what you're walking into. You're trained to serve and protect, and now you're being told that you're going to have to deal with physical or a mental health issue, meaning... You're not trained for that. I have to care for this person's well-being who could stab me. Well, my training is that if someone is violent and belligerent to me i need to put them down but if they have a physical or a mental defect or issue going on at that moment that can lead to some serious complications
1: and it's why um, suicide by cop is a thing people who are mentally unwell who want to kill themselves but cannot find the heart to do it have found ways in the past to cause a ruckus that nine one one gets called and they are purely trying to get shot by the cops right and if a mental health provider was sent to that um and and not to talk about the cop's mental health the cop who had to shoot that person now you know has to be in the state that i just killed someone right And and that's horrible and just one other point here um where i work when you know we went to the office uh <laughs> we had in the span of 6 years i've been there two different uh potential suicide jumpers um one was off a parking garage and the other was off a bridge over the Jenny River and both of those had the cops and firefighters respond i get the firefighters they have the giant trampoline stuff i mean i know that's like a joke but they have it to catch people and try not to get them to fall but mental health professionals should be responding to those type of calls too
0: right or at least assisting yeah on it in, in in some way but it's it's just ridiculous to put that level of burden on a cop and then and then you get upset when they default back to their original training. Well, he had, you know, he had a mental disorder. You know, there was no reason that the cop should have done that. He swung at the cop. What do you expect him to do? He's he's trained in one aspect and you're asking them to Still handle a top. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like taking a middle school teacher and telling them, "Hey, you're going to you're going to teach kindergarten today." And the middle school teacher's like, okay, well, I have a strict set of rules. There's no talking. There's no fart jokes in my class. And we're going to have discipline and we're going to do arithmetic. And the kindergartners are going to be a fucking mess. They're going to be insane. He's going to be like... He's going to be spanking those children. He's going to be yelling at them because he's not trained for it. No. A very specific set of skills. No. And, And to go to the the just real quick the the mental health aspect of you know the whole suicide by cop and you know because that's that's the other issue that's happened with police in america we consider them all you know so many people consider them you know like terminators and you know they're they're trained to shoot their gun and you know they're designed to kill this goes back to the militarization police are not Soldiers. Soldiers go through basic training and boot camp. They are trained to make that mental separation. They are trained to kill. You go into the military, taught to kill. You don't go into police academy, taught to kill. So, you know, a soldier firing, just firing their gun, standard practice. A cop just firing their gun, whether they kill the person or not, can have some deep, lasting psychological effects.
1: there's a whole conversation on this. Um, I just want to put out there for any of our listeners that want to know more about this, look up Killology. There are a bunch of podcasts. Uh, John Oliver recently covered this in his policing episode. Um, There is a guy out there who has designed a psychological doctrine called Killology, and he is training cops in this and he is his training has been one of the worst things for police forces i think he is training the cops that they always need to be scared that whatever call they're arriving to the person is looking to kill them and they need to be able to shoot first and he has in the past told them you need to let your body kill and not let the mind worry about it um it is one of the worst things we could have done for police forces it needs to be banned um that man needs to be jailed. Maybe not. that That's an intense thing, but... Um, Jake's on fire right now. He needs to face the consequences of what he's done to police forces in helping them justify killing people and justify fear. He has put fear into cops' hearts when he trains them. And cops should not be going into every situation afraid they're going to get shot. That is... Not every situation. I'm not saying those situations don't exist, but this also could be part of what we're having cops respond to. If they're responding to a nonviolent situation, but they're going in with the thought that they're going to get shot. I mean, Philando Castile, he told the cop he had a gun and I, that cop had gone through kill allergy training and he shot Philando Castile right. because he heard gun. And heard that as a threat. That is my in my mind exactly what happened. That may not be what happened, but he had been trained to feel that threat.
0: And we can't
1: train cops to feel that way.
0: I think that goes to a bigger narrative in our country today. I think there is a perpetual need to keep... to perpetuate fear and to keep everyone afraid. Yeah. And it's... I, it goes both ways, and I, I, one hundred percent agree with everything you said about killology and I think it happens on the civilian side too, especially with the way certain things are portrayed in media, and, um, yeah, just everything yeah. else surrounding. But I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole because this is supposed to be, intro to the American Revolution episode one and,
1: and governance, yeah, and um, governance. So I have nothing else on the points of the cons or the declaration of Insta independence here. Um, do you have any points that you want to bring up before we go out with the f- defining words as Jefferson exited our reasonings for dissolving our bounds? Um,
0: the only, the only real, um, you know, I, we, we touched on that, uh, it, it really didn't create a nation. It just created a, um, I'm going to term it as a sovereign codependence. Yes. Um, that the states had to go through. Um, but, you know, the um, one, the only other thing that I sort of want to touch on is the, you know, the opening phrase of we, the people, to look at that in the historical context was incredibly radical for the time and pretty much rips America out of the monarch um, in in the entire European belief system. I mean, we take it for granted now that we're, you know, we're, A country of individuals, but at that time, everything was ruled by either a monarchy or a majority class, and nothing was for the people. Even, you know, nations and entities that were independent or, you know, didn't have, you know, that royal family still weren't actually for the people uh, no. to, to totalitarian governments. Um, you know, authoritarian governments aren't for the people. It's the government protecting the people. Um, a communist government is not for the people, no matter what the fuck they're going <laughs> to you know, try and say, you know, we're all, you know, it's all of us. Everyone's equal. Fuck off. We know that's not the case, but the that... form of
1: government that only works well on paper. Yes. The minute you put human emotion into it, that government falls apart.
0: I mean, the the biggest mistake that Karl Marx made was he forgot that... um, How do I put this? Uh, People are human beings. Yeah. And uh, he he falsely believed that all people are good. Um, Communism
1: will work great for the robots.
0: Yes, it will. They will be very happy with it. And when our robot overlords take over this planet, I wish them all the best. But... The, the we, the people is sort of, in my opinion, the moral platitude and pretty much the guiding key of everything that came after it. And it should be the strongest part that gets championed. And if anybody ever wants to tear down America the first one of the first things they'll remove is we, the people, and they'll try and twist it to mean something else. But it means we are all individuals within each of us. We have the power, um, and the right of this country to be what it needs to be.
1: Yeah. Oligarchy. They'll bring oligarchy and remove the people. Um, so I'll exit the declaration with a, a, a statement from Jefferson himself. Um, after he goes through his reasons for separating, you know, he goes on and the signatures, but his last statement that I think of is important is, uh, in every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeat injury, a prince whose character thus marked by every act, which may define a tyrant is unfit to the rule of a free people. And I think that, Is, you know, not the last sentence of the document, but, um, very important to what he's saying, you know, we're dissolving this because you are no longer treating us right. Yep. So, um, any last thoughts on the declaration? No. I think we covered it. Articles Um, of Confederation? Yeah. So I want to say I finished this beer. It was very good. Um, and I think it's a good thing that I finished it because we're about to go into the shit show that is the Articles of Confederation. Hold um, on.
0: Let me get this for our listeners because I also finished mine. And now. Oh, yeah. I, I number two. I should have brought a, brought a second
1: one downstairs with me. All Always right.
0: Prepared, Jake.
1: So prepared. the high level overview Um The Constitution was not the first ruling document of the United States. Uh, It's debatable when we get into the Constitution, whether uh, the people who wrote it expected it to stay as it is this long without more amendments. Um, We'll get into that in the amendment episode, which will be next. But for the Articles of Confederation, this was the rule of land from the end of the Revolutionary War in 1783 till uh, 1789. Uh, lasted a whole six years during that time we had 10 presidents um under the congress of the united states none of those were george washington he was the first president under the constitution and this ended really quickly because it was
0: bad it was a fucking shit show let's let's start off with the fact that it didn't even get off on the right foot seeing as they finished writing it in 77 it didn't get adopted by 12 of the 13 states until 79 fucking maryland held out until 81 because of a fucking land dispute border (laughs) dispute with virginia i mean i mean holy fuck it took you guys a long time
1: yes this is the smallest f federal government you could have um and this gets to my point that I don't think we were a United States with a capital U. We were a United States with a very lowercase U. Oh, um, I mean the
0: artic- the Articles of Confederation almost perfectly prove your point to the fact that, uh, I mean, just the way it's it's written is is laughable. I mean, yes. fir- first off, um. I think we can both agree that the central they designed the central government to be weak. That oh, yeah. Oh, it, it so should should not exist. There's there's no executive uh so there's no weak. real executive power. There's no ju- judicial branch. There's one fucking chamber. It Each is, state uh, gets one vote. Weak. <laughs> gets yeah. one vote. And, uh, but, you know, the state, the states should operate independently. And then, uh, my favorite, my favorite part is that, uh, to pass any fucking law, you need a supermajority of nine out of the 13 states, which 100% guarantees that nothing is going to get done. Because once again, people in power seem to forget that, um, human beings are. Hold on, let me check my
1: notes. Uh, humans! Yeah, uh, yeah, so let's, let's talk about this. Um, I always think what you put in a document first draws importance to it. So let me, uh, I took some notes here, and before we really get into any governing, <laughs> we have the first four articles of uh, the document. Article one uh, is the first use of the capital U in United States. Article 2 sets each state as independent. Article 3 refers to us as a firm league of friendship. And Article 4 establishes cross-state immunity. It isn't until Article 5 that they focus on Congress and how we're actually going to govern this country. it's... It's a shit show. That's that's all it is. It's a horrible shit show. I, I mean, there's a reason it did not last. Um, yeah. So article by article five, we start to focus on Congress and, um, some basic things like it establishes an emoluments clause for members of Congress and it provides Congress with free speech well on the floor and simple immunity well at your Congress, uh, term, but not like you're a member of Congress. You're immune from all crimes. It's, Oh well you're on the floor of Congress. We're not gonna arrest you for saying something there. That's yeah, what Article five is.
0: It's a total cop out. Is what it is.
1: Article six, we start to get into some restrictions on the state. Um it forbids states from forming alliances, uh, removes titles of nobility from the US across, um, prevents uh cross state treasuries or treaties, sorry, where like Maryland could have a treaty with South Carolina that doesn't apply to New York. That's not allowed. Um, eh, prevents state armies, but allows militias. And it prevents um, a single state from declaring war. Pretty much the Congress has to declare war. So we set right. some minor restrictions on the states Right at this point.
0: Sort of uh, forgot the whole fact that, uh, you know, taxes should oh, be uh, a thing.
1: I don't think taxes come in. Oh, wait. Nope. We'll get to taxes and the lack of taxes in it. Uh, Article 7 uh, deunifies the armies by providing state control when the army is established, but doesn't really. Yeah. Like, it. it's really stupid. Article 8 establishes a common treasury, but no clear way on how to tax to fund that treasury. Right. So there, there's your taxes. Uh, your federal government can't raise taxes against you to actually do shit.
0: Right. The federal government basically had to rely on donations uh, from the states to be able to collect money. It was basically like, hey, uh, you guys seem to be doing well over there. You want to? Hey, can you, can you throw me a couple bucks? You know? You, can I uh, can I get about three fifty?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, listen, listen to Hamilton, and there's a whole section about money in one of the debates. Uh, yeah, with Hamilton and Jefferson, you know, why should if New York can't pay its debts, why should Virginia bear it? Uh, yeah, funny. That's that's Articles of Confederation, right there.
0: Funny how we're kind of in that argument right now with the. For those of you who don't know or those listening uh, in the year uh, 3027 uh this podcast is recorded uh in june of 2020 um where COVID 19 has uh, ravaged the economy of the country but only some states and literally the line from hamilton uh if new york is in debt why should virginia bear it Uh, I know Virginia is not in much of a better condition than New York right now, but uh, New York is a shit show, not because of COVID-19, because of our uh, Fuhrer Cuomo and his decisions before this happened, but now there is talks that the federal government um, should levy taxes on other states to bail out New York, but uh, that's a different story for another time. But
1: yet, uh, uh, oh man... (laughs) This is a whole nother story about states who take more than they put into government than taxes, a.k.a. Kentucky and some of the southern states, which are great takers, but poor givers to <laughs> the melting pot of our treasury. Um, so, different story. Um, Article 9 starts to establish some of what Congress can do. we Article wait, they... 9 before we can say... Hey, we we established this Congress. They can do things. Here's what they can do. So Congress can make war and peace for all states. Um, Congress can settle interstate disputes and also lays out the rules for settling these disputes. Uh, Congress can decide the value of money and create post offices. But there was no real central currency. No, no. But Congress can do this. How? Not really clear. Um, And finally, uh, it creates the Congress assembled and president for when Congress is not in session. Um, But then it proceeds to kneecap the power of this little government side body for when Congress is not fully in session. Right. Um, And then I think your favorite, Article 10... The committee of nine states to allow the majority to constitute a congress yes uh, Ugh. yeah makes my head hurt my yeah.
0: um other uh. favorite is um the fact that they made it so that there was impossible to make any fucking amendment ...to this piece of trash, probably because they knew that it was trash to begin with, and they were like, well, fuck it, let's prevent them from changing it, we'll just scrap it and get a new one. Because the only way you could amend it was through unanimous consent. Anybody that's from New York that has ever gotten into the room, locked in a room, we'll just make it simple, with someone from Massachusetts... Virginia and South Carolina, there's no fucking way those four people are going to agree on anything. <laughs> now I let's, agree. now let's get all the original 13 colonies in. Let's, I mean, Rhode Island, we, look, they're just going to go along with what everybody else says. Cause you know, they're just happy to be considered and uh, at the table, but uh, you know, the other ones. Fuck.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, I, I want to zoom through this document because it's rough, and I'm sure there's historians that could spend a ton of time on how rough it is. But uh, the last thing I want to uh, draw your attention to is Article 11, because I liked Article 11. It kind of showed America was a little butt hurt about part of the con- or the uh, Revolutionary War. Um, for those of you that don't know, we sent a little uh, general, Benedict Arnold, to try to take Canada uh, during the revolution it failed uh, as you can tell canada our northern neighbor is not part of america today but we didn't want to acknowledge it failed because in article 11 we allow canada to join our little group at any time but no other colony just How canada
0: fucking arrogant is that <laughs> i don't know what once we figure out our shit i'm sure Canada i'm sure will those be right those fucking over. knocks are gonna come right over i mean they'll they'll play hockey
1: with us we're gonna have tim hortons on every corner
0: i mean i mean look they'll they'll uh you know we got we got france backing us up you know they can bring over their their stupid little quebec language and uh to to our one canadian listener i'm i'm not making fun of you
1: yeah but uh, i'm I am. If Justin Trudeau wants to annex part of New York State at this point, I don't think I'd be too angry if I ended up Canadian at this point. The way shit's going, so we're we're making fun of you for saying sorry, and I'm sorry I'm making fun of you for saying sorry. Um, but we can grab some timbits and go to a Maple Leafs game. No big deal. I love Toronto.
0: They got Please? a good zoo. Yeah. No, they, I don't want them to annex us just 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 come on look we still got you know maybe we, we can work it out we can say that the Articles of Confederation still exist you can join at any time you're America's hat you'll just make everything better just leave the fucking French speaking uh, Quebec's you just put them on like an iceberg and let it you know fold off and melt
1: bring your maple syrup crime to America because it is so entertaining <laughs> maple syrup heist these movies need to exist uh, okay we're off topic but yeah that was the other thing I wanted to draw your point to was this whole I uh, mean the, yeah Canada can join us at any time I mean the Articles of Confederation literally
0: set it it, it caused everything that came after it and not in a good way I mean no. do, do we talk about Shay's rebellion and how the the whole fact that Shay's Rebellion happened is because of the failings of the Articles of Confederation, and the the reason that the Articles of Confederation ended up failing was because of Shay's Rebellion. Because they literally left the government powerless to do anything about a fucking internal rebellion. Did we? Did we not? We just rebelled. We're re- well. We're currently if, at this point. We're still rebelling. You know, when these were written against the government of Great Britain and we didn't think that you know maybe at some point some citizens might not like what's going on and they might rebel against us yeah childish
1: yeah um
0: humans are humans
1: so it becomes pretty obvious pretty quick we wrote a shit founding document and uh if we're gonna last as a country we need to do something So, the Constitution is written. We hold the Constitutional Convention. Uh, People propose their different forms of government. And probably for another podcast, Alexander Hamilton and two other guys write the the Federalist Paper to convince, you know, New York to join. Because New York was really the big fuck you state and didn't want to ratify the Constitution. Probably wanted to be its own country. It's because Uh, the
0: Dutch... The Dutch yeah, fucked yeah. everything up with New York. This well, is a I mean, damn Dutch ideology in again the, in the world or in the words of Austin Powers, there's only two things I hate in this world: it's people who are intolerant of other people's cultures, and the
1: Dutch. He knew. Again, I have to recommend Colin Woodward, Woodward's uh, American Nation, because he talks about the Dutch and the ideals they brought. Probably, I'm not all the way through the book, but probably part of the reason we as new yorkers didn't want to ratify the constitution of the united states but if we talk about the articles of or the federalist papers at some point that's a whole nother episode we ratify it we end up with the constitution so for the rest of the episode we're going to talk about the constitution up to but not including the amendments we're not going to get into the bill of rights the amendments that's going to be next episode because that's next Oh, that's going to be a huge conversation going through those amendments. Um,
0: Jake and I are going to agree on some things, we're going to argue on some things. He's going to be an idiot, I'm going to be an asshole. It's going to yeah. be a fun time.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a real fun time. Um, you know, uh so again, before we start talking about each article, uh there's only 7 in this and we get right into governing right off the bat. First article is about congress there we go governing the people um but I, i do have to make a point i again think what you put first is important and they put congress before the president they put congress before the judiciary branch i think the founders thought congress was going to be the powerful branch and i would say People think the president is the powerful branch. Um, Darth Sidious Mitch McConnell is the reason we have so much of the shit we have today. Congress still has more power than people realize. But let's talk about what uh, Congress can do. So the first thing it does is it it outlines the House and the Senate. And senators were originally picked by state legislators, not the people. The people pick their state legislators the state legislators pick the senators yep yeah so there is that i mean uh, that
0: and i mean that goes to in my mind just due to the speed at which information travels and um the ease or lack thereof of communication i mean it's the whole reason the electoral college was invented i mean everybody yeah, I mean, there's that argument that the Electoral College exists because, you know, the the people could not be held responsible for actually picking uh, president because the people are ill-informed and stupid. No, it's because to send a message from uh, Buffalo to Albany took three fucking days. Yeah. Um, so we, I mean, the whole, you had to put levels in there. So you elect your local people. Okay, you trust them means they should trust other people. Whole thing gets fucked when you throw special interests in there. Leads to the problems we currently have. But I digress.
1: Yeah. Um, It also establishes the the House um, and says that the House can self-impose regulation and remove a member of the House by a two-thirds vote of the House. So let's talk a little bit about this. Your information thing. Your house district is small. You know, for me, it's like Brighton and a couple other areas. I forget where other, where Joe Morelli is out of. Um, it's not relatively large. Uh, easy for information to travel. A senator covers the whole goddamn state. Right. Uh, during this time, hard for information, unless you're living in Rhode Island, where you walk next door and you've covered the entire state yeah. at this point. Um, If you're in New York, that can't happen. Right. Kind of makes sense. Um, I mean, it's, I think...
0: In my opinion, it's why it was always believed that the, things move really quickly in the House, and then they take time in the Senate, because the senator would theoretically need time to um, talk and visit all of their constituents. Now, if you're a senator from New York, you only really care about the city, and you tell the rest of us to fuck off. Uh, Chuck Schumer you can
1: go die in a hole I mean He's got to be hating this year Because he can't come to any of Rochester's Festivals and walk around And act like he cares about people from Rochester I know So uh, quick aside
0: When I was uh, In college in DC Um I was taking a Um Last flight out of the day Um from DCA there was only one person in line ahead of me at TSA that was Chuck Schumer Um, what ended up unfolding between him a staffer and TSA uh, is hysterical and at the same time would make your skin crawl but we can save that for another podcast I'm not going to get into that right now that's just a
1: little tease we will do a New York centric episode um, but I, I want to start, get you know, ready, for, for our five listeners, I want to talk about the whole thing before we get down deep down and dirty into New York. Keep going. Uh, okay. Um, establishes the impeachment rules. Um, again, the, this I found interesting. The legal bounds of immunity while in session um, and also talks about emol- emoluments. It was a big thing for them to be able to be out on the floor making an argument and not get arrested mid-argument they wanted immunity while the session was in place um establishes presidential timeline on bills 10 days for a bill uh to be signed before it's automatically ratified uh establishes congress to create money uh which was big post offices and a treasury um that i think was big um this I thought was interesting because I think Congress has kind of lost sight of this promote the progress of science and useful arts as part of their job. Oh, I think Congress has
0: completely lost that,
1: but but it's part of the constitution that that is their job to promote the progress of science and useful arts. Yeah. But Jake, Jake, but, but a congressman they're... can come in and throw a snowball and go, look, no global warming. That's not science. You moron but jake there's
0: no money to be made in science or the arts which is why <sighs> which is why obama defunded nasa while he was president and we fight for arts in schools every fucking year because y- you can't make money in inspiring the youth of a nation and also if you want to keep a nation compliant and um pretty much docile to well
1: standardized test you You only need to know what's on the test
0: yeah you need to remove science and higher thinking and art from the curriculum those are
1: free thinking things we don't really want them we we love the poorly educated i mean that is the i mean you've
0: touched on one of the most important things of the constitution and what the framers actually realized People need to stay independent and free thinking, and that's focus on art and science, because that expands your mind. If I mean, Congress, what the fuck are you doing? Who the fuck cares? A ninety percent of the shit that you pedal through our legislative branch. If I mean, to be completely the people honest, people
1: who give me jobs after I'm out of Congress. That pay six figures to sit on my ass. That's who I care about, not you. You're not paying me shit as a, a constituent. I don't give a shit about you. Sorry.
0: I mean, it's 100% true. It I mean, it's, it's evidenced by any, any junior. I mean, every, I've never seen a junior congressman go in with doe eyed, bushy tail being like, I'm going to make a difference, and I within six fucking months, they start peddling the same bullshit wrapped in a different package. They're all the same. I mean, it's all special special interests. It's all either party line bullshit. Um, this goes – I mean, I think one of the biggest mistakes of the Constitution was term limits, and oh. I, I don't think – that the framers of the Constitution left term limits out of there because they didn't want to limit their power, I think they honestly could not have fucking fathomed that someone would make a career out of politics. Because in their time, Washington
1: left after two terms as president. There were no term limits on president. They could not fathom that anyone would want to do this as a goddamn job. Right. Permanently.
0: there's no money in it. There's not supposed to be money in it. By the way, if you're a congressman or a senator and you're making, you know, and you're making money off of donations and stuff, fuck you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you fight for. You I'd should fucking be hate living
1: you. off minimum goddamn wage during the time you're a congressman. If you can't live off minimum wage and you're complaining about minimum wage people being freeloaders asking for handouts, you're getting fucking handouts. So You're getting handouts. You're getting better health care, great pay, you know, lobbyist paying you. You should live off minimum wage while you're in Congress.
0: I I don't don't think that because now (laughs) you're just going to skyrocket minimum wage to like 50 fucking dollars an hour and then no one will. If that's what they do. No, no, Jake. No, stop it stop it they can have a modest salary that fits the area that they live in in their communal dormitories (laughs) i'm gonna go back to that that's where i should i think they should well here i think they should all have to fucking live together because then maybe they wouldn't bicker so much like little children because look if 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 i have to because most of them look they go back to their mcmansions and all of them even the ones that are like oh i come from a poor district fuck you I've seen where you're staying. I know what hotel you're in. I've never seen a humble congressman. By the way, if one of our five listeners happens to be a humble congressman, reach out to us. We'd love
1: to yeah, talk love to, to you. Yeah, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, humble, humble congressman to... we will take. Yeah, I mean, like, if they had to live in communal dormitories in D.C. and their pay was, that that was covered as part of being a congressman and their pay was based off living uh, wages in their area, so you know, a New York City congressman makes more than someone from uh, Duluth, Minnesota. Um, okay, but uh, we didn't get that. We did not get that. But they no. also didn't have DC when they founded this. So that's right, a whole right.
0: That's true. Story. That's um, true. But but the the term limits. I mean, yeah. You you fix ninety nine percent of the problems in this country by putting fucking term limits in i mean how long has nancy pelosi been in i'm sorry is is she going by skeletor now i mean it's basically just botox strapped to a balloon
1: yeah nancy pelosi chuck schumer mitch mcconnell um oh there was that one guy who just finally retired that was like 90 years old and served forever there are more than i can name those are the big three that should not still be serving terms at all um They should have aged out through term limits. Right. I mean, AOC should have her, what, four terms, whatever we declare it is, and then she's out too. I don't care how much her people love her. It needs term limits just like the president.
0: I mean, the, the, and it's, it's incredible. I mean, to go back to your, you know, initial point of the first thing that got put into the Constitution Mm -hmm. is the, um, is Congress and the Senate, you know, the legislative branch, you know, that's what they deem most important. And then it's ironic that the only branch of government that gets its power limited is the presidency. Yep. And because, that didn't
1: happen until 1949?
0: Because after FDR. Because after FDR. Four terms, and Congress went, holy shit, our power, someone could take over our power because let's be honest, the president is and always will be more liked than Congress and the Senate. Oh, yeah. and, and that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's where the true power in the presidency lies. it, it doesn't lie within, you know, the articles of the constitution. It, it lies in the popularity and the ability to swing the popular consensus. We saw that with FDR four terms fucking egregious. Yeah. But was in, he a bad Congress president?
1: Plan? No. Should he have had four terms? No. No.
0: I think, you know, <laughs> let's be honest, the New Deal was a complete disaster. Uh I mean, you learned that in history class, the New Deal failed and then while we were in college, Obama created the new New Deal and we were like, Didn't didn't we learn that this didn't work the last time? Why are we doing again? Shout out to uh Rochester who on that, uh, uh, what did we call it back then? Do we call it the stimulus package?
1: Uh, I think it was the stimulus package.
0: Yeah, on the stimulus package, I think Rochester had uh, got uh, three different grants from that. One was to uh, uh, make benches for downtown. That's really sparking jobs. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Good job. That didn't work, but...
1: So another episode, The New Deal, that can be a whole nother episode um uh, all right so we continuing just on...
0: t-shirts that say we digress yeah sorry. we should
1: <laughs> sorry <laughs> bull bull and moose tavern podcast gra- podcast we digress <laughs> uh th- this one's a teaser more uh for next episode article one for congress references the training and regulation of a militia teaser for the amendments yeah uh What else do we got? Uh, Establishes conditions for suspending habeas corpus, which is a person's right to be brought before a judge or into a court. Uh, Says U.S. will have no title of nobility. We established that in our constitution that we won't have kings, queens, princesses, princes, things like that. And yet Uh, they still
0: tried to make George Washington a king. Yeah. I don't get it. You literally wrote it in there and then not to do it and then you're like well he's pretty cool maybe we should maybe we should just ignore it
1: yeah um and then finally it um it starts to uh, take down state rights where in the last document it was all about states rights right off the bat um in article one we talk about how states don't have the rights for treaties or to declare war which then brings us on to article two which is our president But yes, I think the founders more than anything wanted Congress to be the most important body. And I think Congress may still be the most important body, but they skate by on a lot of stuff because people say, well, it's the president's fault. It's the president's fault. It's the president's fault. No, it's not all the president's fault. The House has to pass stuff. The Senate has to pass stuff. If Uh, Obama nominates a Supreme Court judge and Mitch just is like, during an election year, I don't have to do this shit. Then guess what? We don't get that Supreme Court judge. And the judicial branch in Article 3 is fucked over for a year so that Mitch can hold a seat open. Um, Congress needs to be held more accountable for their shit because they are a very powerful branch of the government.
0: Well, the problem is the, the... House and the Senate have figured out the secret to the game, which is they gridlock themselves and then they just blame the president. Yep. And it's because the people don't realize that the president's not the most powerful person in the land. It's Congress and the Senate. But they just go, oh, but, you know, the president's in charge. No, fuck that. The president's not in charge, he is the commander in chief. Mostly he's supposed to be in charge of the military and protecting your dumb asses so that you can pass the laws and do everything. He is the bouncer.
1: The of president the should not need executive orders because Congress should pass the goddamn laws to let things happen. Executive orders are bullshit because it means Congress isn't doing their job. People are protesting in the street right now because of cops. Nancy Pelosi could convene the house and pass a law today to attack, you know, certain things about what's happening on, attack's probably not the right word, address certain things, uh, you know, then we could pressure the Senate to pass that and get it in front of Trump's desk. And if he vetoes it, we could make sure that we, the people, are represented. And if it's big enough, have a veto-proof majority where even if he vetoes it, we could overturn his veto. Congress is powerful. We need to hold Congress accountable.
0: Yep, and yet they sit on their ass, they bicker like children, and they force the executive branch...
1: And they fill our days with empty jesters, like putting on the um, African scarf and kneeling in the rotunda instead of actually doing something, or blaming each other.
0: Do do we talk... Wait, are we allowed to talk about the fact that, uh, the African scarf, because, um, let's, you know, anybody that's read a fucking book on world history knows that, uh, African cloths are not just generic, uh, they're like kilts, and the patterns on kilts, they all represent specific areas in specific countries, and, uh, the pattern that they used for the scarves, uh, is literally one of the African groups that, uh, is responsible for the slave trade. But we're not going to get into that. So they kind of fucked up their bullshit political gesture by choosing the wrong cloth, which I I thought cultural appropriation was a thing, but I guess a bunch of old white Democrats wearing uh, African scarves is okay? But that's the bullshit Uh, that Congress gets into because they're not doing their fucking job because... Nancy Pelosi is never going to get voted out. She's going to die in office, which hopefully is in the next year or two because she's 136. Right. Yep.
1: And Mitch is unfortunately never going to lose because he gets Kentucky what they need. So they're going to keep voting him in. So he'll keep his power. So unless the Democrats retake the Senate, Mitch will keep doing his bullshit. Uh, Nancy will keep doing her bullshit. Um, And then they blame the president. I mean, they've effectively We we need to hold them accountable.
0: They've found a way to both – because of this one flaw within the Constitution, they've found a way to both deflect all blame from themselves. And if you honestly think about it, render the executive branch almost completely inert. Because yes, they've they force the president to pass executive orders, but we know executive orders are not—they're not evergreen. They're not long-standing. They can't. No, a
1: next they president can swap them out. They're not lost. Right, they, they can't
0: hold up. No. Um, but by doing so, but by shifting and forcing the president to have to basically artificially create legislation. Which they can overturn at any point. They've not only shifted the blame from everything to them, but they... I mean, that goes on long enough. The president becomes a figurehead and is completely powerless because... I mean, all it takes is a couple Supreme Court decisions to decide that, you know, enough executive orders are not, you know, constitutional. And then you've completely stripped all power from the president and then he becomes a figurehead no different than the queen
1: congress doesn't want that though they need the blame man they need the president to keep appearing like he's the person of power so that they can be like no we we're doing stuff it was it was that guy it's we're, the president
0: blame him we're the we're we're the representation of the people which is why i live in a mcmansion with two multi-million dollar you know fridges with expensive ice cream because I'm, I'm of the people, and uh, you know I I really care about
1: you, if, right? If you are a Democrat in California, and you really care. You should be supporting Nancy's Democratic opponent right now. We need to get these people out of Congress. They need to stop holding their power. And my whole
0: belief, like here's there's one easy way to correct the so the biggest issue with term limits on congress is that they'll never vote themselves out of a job yeah and i think i don't know if i said this on our um, on our backdoor pilot but i i honestly believe that the way to save the our country and to fix our messed up political system is both the senate and the house need to pass an amendment to the constitution for term limits. And everybody tells me they will never vote to, um, they'll never vote themselves out of a job. The easy solution for that is you put a caveat in there, a clause that just says any Senator or Congressman that is currently holding their seat during the ratification of this amendment is not um is not bound by the term limits set forth in this. Yeah. That way, I mean that takes out the self-serving. You know, you can have a congressman or a senator then run out the rest of their life with their constituency, and then after that, boom, we have actual turnover. I call you know, and you know the people have been like you know, well, you can't really put a loophole in the Constitution. Uh, no, we're going to get to the article about the president, which literally has the Alexander Hamilton clause in it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Final thing before we go on to the president, that's going to be next. Um, If you are a Democrat in New York state looking to um, challenge Chuck Schumer in 2022, let us know. I would be willing to help you. Um, I will support you. I Uh,
0: I, I will donate to you. I will also tell you my Chuck Schumer story. Like I said, get ready, Chucky.
1: Uh, it is time for these long-established people to be moved out of uh, Congress, especially if you are a Democrat running for Congress who supports, while you're there, voting term limits on yourself, um, even if it's the ruby loophole to get it passed. (laughs) Uh, So Article 2 establishes the president. uh, Establishes the president cannot increase or decrease their pay during their term, um, establishes the emolument clause, um, the original presidential oath in here, uh, no mention of God in that oath. Um, it is purely an oath to the Constitution. Uh, Commander-in-chief of state militias establishes reasons for impeachment, uh, and... I mean, we'll get into the amendments, but it talks about how you choose the president and vice president, which is different than what we do today.
0: Right. Because the the original way of the way you choose the president and the vice president was a fucking mess, as uh, played out really quickly in our history. With, Wait, you uh, mean
1: you couldn't have seen President Donald Trump and Vice President Hillary Clinton?
0: Oh my god. Hilarious. Hilarity would I mean we you'd basically just have a replay of Adams and Jefferson.
1: I, I mean, I think it would have been that is comedy gold for HBO right now. Create a world in which they never change the amendment, and in twenty sixteen we ended up with President Trump and Vice President Hillary Clinton.
0: I mean to be completely honest, I I think when uh when uh, Trump is uh, done being president, I think instead of bringing back The Apprentice, he needs to star in a sitcom with Hillary Clinton. I think it literally should just be the two of them, and it, it should be j- just that. the An alternate history where he was president and she became vice president. And uh, by, the time,
1: by the time that happens, it's just going to be the two of them fighting over which news channel they're putting on in the retirement home.
0: I was just about to say, it's just going to be a retirement community comedy. We're going to
1: watch CNN. No, I want to put on OAN. One American News only. Don't you want to?
0: What about Fox News? They haven't been good except for the morning show.
1: They're not good to me anymore.
0: That's okay. Yeah, so the president... Well, I think think you're... uh, your snack should be my. I've, I've lost it. This isn't a funny joke anymore. I screwed that up. <laughs> yeah. I but apologize to our five voters. Or so it listeners.
1: establishes a, a very limited uh, president for the United States, a, a figurehead, um, you know, has some powers. You know, they're there to ratify the bills and veto them if they think it's bad. They're kind of the last line of defense for a bad bill. Um, and they're the commander of chief of the military. Um, But they are not what the president is today By any standards In the constitution No So
0: I had a point to make But I lost it
1: right. I mean I think we spent a lot of time on congress Because It was the most important part In the constitution It Uh, was I mean There's a president not nearly as important as what congress no uh,
0: the supposed to be president in my opinion was always just supposed to be the mediator the like i said it, it runs the military you know congress's job is to is to govern the people and make sure that everything is going okay the president shouldn't be burdened with the bullshit that goes on every day. They should be focusing on the military, keeping us safe, dealing with foreign affairs as the point of contact, basically. You know, it's it's akin to um, you know, a corporation. You have the the CEO and you have the board of directors. The board of directors decide, you know, who um, you know, who the VPs are who you know where Whether the funds? Whether or not you're
1: getting bonuses this year,
0: right? Who, who you know, you know what the budgets are and all of that. The CEO they you know plot the course, you know the direction of the company, you know. But they make, but they're supposed to check in with the board and be like, "Hey, is are, are you do you like this? Are we going in the right direction?"
1: You, you mean a state of the union every yeah, yeah. year?
0: You're supposed that to is go and
1: provide a state of the union to the people who are making laws that, that affect that is said the union
0: that is basically the board of directors meeting that takes <laughs> place once a year except now it's just a political stump show it's been
1: you know well, nancy at least, didn't want to invite him when the government was shut down
0: which is fucking retarded oh and then my, my favorite is like a child she ripped up the state of the year like look feel how you feel about Anybody, the it president of the United States. damn State. good on
1: TV clips, though. It looks what
0: mattered. Fucking retarded, like a little pestilent child. You you may have seen, and this is this is where. So if you haven't guessed, Jake and I are moderates. He leans ever so slightly to the left. I lean ever so slightly to the right. This is where he dives into the left side of the pool, and I dive in the right side of the pool because he sees it looking good on TV, and all I see is my two-year-old throwing a fucking temper tantrum because he only got five goldfish instead of six.
1: I'm not saying I supported her because it looked good for TV. I'm saying it was all a show. Uh, to quote the producers, <laughs> it ain't no mystery if it's politics or history. The thing you got to know is everything is showbiz. Oh, drop in the words. So, yeah, uh, no, I'm not saying that I agree with it. I'm saying it was all a show that she was putting on.
0: Oh, I would go with that. And I think on that singular act, she should be removed from office because it's disgusting. And, yeah. look, I mean, even it, I mean, there's a whole reason why the president needs to be invited to Congress and it has nothing to do with the powers of of Congress and the president it has everything to do with when George Washington went to Congress and was so disgusted by the bullshit that was going on. He said, fuck it. I'm never coming back unless you invite me. <laughs> like even he knew yeah. that it was a little fucked up back then. And, and like, I mean, cause I mean, I've heard, you know, congressmen and senators, you know, they, they always loft that over, well, the president needs to be invited. No, not because of you, because of him. Because the first president, first one, we didn't even get to the second. The very first one, put up with your bullshit for like two hours and went, fuck it. You ever want me to come back? Invite me. Yep. Never coming back on my own.
1: Uh, moving on, Article 3, the judiciary branch. Uh, big things that I wrote down. Judges' pay cannot go down during service, but can go up. Um, I think that's interesting because these are lifetime appointments in most cases. And also establishes what treason is in the U.S. in Section 3 of Article 3. um, The definition of treason. Um, So it really establishes the judiciary branch. Yeah. Yeah. Not too much more to say there. I Uh,
0: don't really know how I feel about the lifetime appointment
1: i think i falter on this um and i i am i think in the view that it should be some sort of term maybe 20 years where you are in there long enough to bring opinions but Culture changes every 20 years or so. So you should be switching out judges to account for that culture change and that it's once every four years a Supreme Court judge swaps out. So each presidential term outside of deaths and then maybe deaths changes this, a president gets one Supreme Court judge or something.
0: I would put it more on age, yeah. I I I, mean, I don't have a don't have a huge problem with the well, lifetime appointee of it. But I want to
1: talk about the greed of uh, the celebrated Ruth Bader Ginsburg <laughs> and the fact that she should have stepped down during Obama's second term. But she was so confident that things couldn't swing the way they did that she didn't. And yeah. Now she's dealing with cancer and stuff and people are like, just don't die. Just don't die. Make it to the election. We shouldn't be saying that about judges. Right. It's.
0: I mean, at this point, no one can convince me that she has all of her mental faculties. It's you don't get regardless of, you know, how many pictures they post on Instagram of her working out. You know, you get to a certain age where human beings, we're not robots, shit starts to break down. It's I like I don't fully believe that there needs to be term limits in the the Supreme Court because I, I think there's there's power in um you know, not having to worry about politics. But I think the sheer fact that, I mean, let's be honest. Once again, the founders didn't account for someone being in their 90s and being on the Supreme Court. They figured, no. surely yeah, you would fucking step down by now.
1: They didn't account for humans being humans. Yeah, They believed everyone would be idealist who have studied the ancient philosophies and ancient uh, cultures and realized the heirs of the way? They could not foresee us becoming Rome. Yep. And we have become Rome.
0: Yeah. Um, I think I think there should be. I mean, in all honesty, look at almost every other judge. You know, a pointy position. There are. You know, going from local to state to federal level, there is a restriction in their service, whether it is a number of years or age. Yeah. Um, most of them are age-based. You reach a certain age, and you can't be a judge anymore. You're forced retirement. And um, I think we need that on the Supreme Court. I think you should make it uh 75 or 80 years old. Um, and I you're would. Gone. I would lean to 80 years because medical. Uh, medical advances, you know, 60s, the new 40. Um, but I mean, look, un- until we make some drastic leaps in, you know, human biological evolution eight, at 80 years old, if you don't have something breaking down, um, good on you, but it's, the, the brain just physically doesn't, work at its same capacity
1: after there and it doesn't work it, at the same capacity as 30 years old as it was uh, at 20
0: years old
1: you true. don't even get to 80 years old uh, she's over there doing sudoku every day to keep her brain sharp
0: oh yeah <laughs> um, oh yeah that's what's happening
1: oh uh, yeah all right so articles one through three establish the bodies of governing uh four on establish some rules of governing, and I want to cover some of these. Um, uh, four establishes cross-state legal representation, establishes how new states can form, but limits splitting and merging states, which I think is interesting because I know there's movements out there for California to split up, for North Dakota and South Dakota to become one state. There There's limits on that um, established in the Constitution. It also establishes that the Fed will protect state rights in our republican form of government. That you know, the government, the federal government, is there to protect state rights, in part. Um, That's what Article Four
0: does. I think it's interesting that they called out the, um, basically the the splitting and the, you know, the whole rules around what a state can and cannot do in terms of breaking apart or coming back together.
1: When you think about it, you really want to gain more power as a state during this early time. I'm New York. I want more power. Well, I try to convince New Hampshire and Vermont to join New York and become part of my state. You know, there's two, four less senators I have to deal with. And now I have more people and I have more people in the House to represent my state's needs so right. i think
0: that was that also um, it can go the other way because you know look i can't uh you know i only get two votes in the senate but
1: hey if we split in two we become know. the state of jefferson and the state of california yep. you know article five outlines the rules for amending the constitution it also establishes that clauses one of and four in the ninth section of article 1 cannot be changed until 1808 um, and that's partially because it declared some things about immigration and stuff so it established some limits to amending the constitution but i want to point out in that i think they thought amendments were going to happen way more often than they do if I, would, we're I would 100% agree a limit on certain things being amended does that not mean we get way more amendments they i think they thought like every 5 years there'd be a new amendment maybe a new set of amendments that we'd be ch- that this was a living body not an established body to government like oh yeah this thing was meant to be changed with the times
0: i think i think 100% they believed that the constitution was supposed to be a living breathing entity that would change and I mean the biggest thing was i think the I think they learned from the articles of confederation the biggest mistake they made was making it so rigid, and they yep. realized crap we need things are gonna change states are gonna change we need to give it a way to change with it yeah. and um the I think the one issue that we run into now um, that is in stark contrast of what uh, the original um, founding fathers believed is we now rely on the Supreme Court
1: yeah too much. to
0: to tell us you know how our I mean it, literally we rely on the Supreme Court to tell us how our society is supposed to function now can we do this can we not do this and you know to your point of i you know the founding fathers believed that you know the constitution was supposed to be amended there's a lot of shit that we were that we default to a supreme court decision that really should be an amendment an amendment instead
1: hey let's make amendment day a thing once a year there's a day where like congress has to consider five amendments to the constitution and vote on it it's amendment day it happens every freaking year
0: i mean how the fuck is the era still not ratified (laughs) i mean equal rights let's no women still have to be a separate separate thing yeah let's god forbid we let women have the right to vote because they'll just vote as their husbands right
1: yeah we'll get into amendments in the next episode we're you know rocking the two hour mark here we're doing good uh and we got two articles left thank you all uh, for hanging in here all five yeah, of you I, I hope you have hung in here um i think it's been a great conversation but two hours is a little bit long i think we covered too many topics we uh, might we might end up
0: splitting this you might have to split this into a two-part might podcast. have to might split it in half might have to
1: um, Alright, so Article 6 uh, carries over our debt from the Articles of Confederation, because we didn't want to throw the economy into a huge craziness. Um, well, and then, Yeah, um, establishes officers' oath to the Constitution, but does specifically clarify there will be no religious test required for qualification for any uh, office or public trust under the U.S. So... That's what article six does carries over a debt and uh, establishes that we are not founded as a Christian nation. As some people like to declare.
0: No, but to go back to um, the fact that the presidential oath didn't have under God um, under God in it. Yep. Uh, I mean, most things didn't have under God in it until um, the McCarthy area. Yeah. yeah. With the whole McCarthyism and all of that. Um, but including the
1: pledge our money
0: yeah a lot of a lot of people i there's a difference between separation of church and state and a separation of religion and the country and i know i'm gonna sound preachy when i come off of this and i'm not a religious zealot because the founding fathers in my opinion didn't feel the need to put it In Because, once again, I don't think they could have ever fathomed anybody not believing in God. Uh,
1: I also think they realize that um, as the nation grows, we already had a Jewish population in New York. We had Quakers and Protestants and some Catholics at the time. Um, I think we even had some uh, Turks, uh, which would have been practicing the Islamic uh, religions living in the United States. Um, they were non-religious. They were religious, but non-denominational.
0: Exactly. Um, and that's why there would be
1: no religious test. We wouldn't specifically ever say this is a Catholic nation. This is a, uh, Protestant nation. We were free to practice religion. Um, I think over time that has evolved into, you know, there are non-practicing people. I I am one of those. We will get into that when we talk about the First Amendment quite a bit. Um, But I think that is key, is that they wanted to establish that though we may have founding ideals in certain religious beliefs, none of those are the key to being an American.
0: Agreed. And to... You, know, you also got to understand the psychology of um, the founding fathers and a good portion of them. A lot of people like to say they were all Freemasons. They weren't all Freemasons. Um, you know, the most of the Masonic quote unquote symbols on our money were actually put there by non-Masons. Um, the uh, Eagle as our national symbol Um was decided by non masons the actually only mason on the committee, which was um, Benjamin Franklin wanted our national bird to be a turkey <laughs> so it w- oh, it w-
1: and we'll get into that
0: ben another time
1: but Franklin that sex pot
0: but the re- the only reason I bring up masonry in this in this context is if if you understand the thought process behind um, the founding fathers if you understand that they were Freemasons you can't become a Freemason without believing in God um it's it's not a religious organization it's similar to aA where you just have to submit to a higher power you don't and I myself am a freemason all the conspiracy nuts are now freaking out all two <laughs> of them that listen to our podcast
1: but I am not a freemason so there but you he go. wants to I, I want to be, but I have a, a roadblock uh, in, in this little religious part, too.
0: <laughs> but if if you take that into context, I mean, you don't become a Freemason without just, you know, it's a question that's asked. Do you believe in a higher power? Yes. If that's in their mindset, it's similar to the not needing term limits. You don't need to force religion into our contextual um governance because of course everybody's going to believe in god we don't need to set term limits because why the hell would someone want to do this for more than eight years it it's one of those where it's an integral part of everything but it's not a governance part if that makes sense
1: but i also think the importance in here um comes from you have to understand the Enlightenment Philosophy that was in rage at the time that was a lot of where a lot of our founding principles came from. Enlightenment was a non-religious philosophy branch, plus um Europe just came off a ton of religious wars, and we didn't want that shit right. So we established our government separate from our religion to avoid that shit and it seems like that's been forgotten and people claim christian nation christian nation and it's like no the reason we didn't establish our government with a religion in mind was to avoid that religious war shit that was happening across the pond
0: yep so, once again another big fuck you to all of europe who yes. embed themselves with religion and monarchs
1: yeah no exactly um I, I don't think I would say that any of the founding fathers were non-religious. They all believed in God. Uh, there might have been a few that were deist and had, you know, a very small belief in God. But they they believed in God. Uh, I'm sure Benjamin, G, <laughs> Benjamin
0: Franklin uh, believed he was God. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs>
1: uh, but we didn't want that religious bullshit to come to America. And I think it's come to America, and it's something that we need to address and step away from. Um, right. We need to take the...
0: Well, it's come to America in almost... it It's gotten to the point where because... I mean, it's been used by radicals in this country, Our our non-central religion, and the fact that there is no established religion... That extremists and radicals in every religion have basically made it their crusade to either establish themselves as being able to, you know, set up a higher power within the country or to basically be like, no, we need to turn the country, you know, this way. And it happens from the Christians. It happens from Muslims and it happens from the Jews i think buddhists are you know kind of just uh, they're a little bit
1: more laid well, back they're buddhist doesn't but... there are violent buddhists out there they are terrorizing um it's not china but one of the asian countries has a, a militant buddhist sect out there um is a but thing? Yeah. can you be yeah, buddhist that... and be militant yes you can that is a thing Um,
0: I thought a a militant Buddhist is just a guy that walks in the main street and lights himself on fire.
1: (laughs) Look what you've made me do. Uh, No, there are actual militant Buddhists that are currently decapitating um, Islamic people's heads in their countries because they see them as foreign invaders. And it's a whole religious thing. That is my point, though. That was the shit we were trying to avoid by not making us established by a single religion so that's yep. my point there all that's right a good point to make. last thing article 7 uh lots potentially to talk about here uh only nine of the states had to ratify this to become the law of the land <laughs> yes. Uh, yes you can tell the founders didn't fully agree with that because we wrote the freaking federalist papers to get all 13 states to ratify it because they knew if not all 13 states ratified it, that it would not last a long time because one state would be like, eh, you know what? I never agreed to these terms. And you wrote terms into the document that forced me to agree. If you had nine states, which meant they had nine states that would have agreed, you know? Well,
0: I feel like they put the, the nine out of 13 in there to establish that they weren't looking for mob rule, yeah, so to speak. I feel like I mean, it was they... two
1: thirds for what we put in for an amendment to the constitution. Right.
0: So I, I feel like the whole nine out of 13 was sort of so that they could say, Look, we're not forcing you to do it, but. If you don't, <laughs> we're gonna force you to do it. Which they kinda so, did. But it's it's what you know, it's one thing to say that all thirteen colonies need to or all thirteen because we're states of so this one, all thirteen states need to ratify this constitution, it leads to infighting. because um, you can never get a majority on everything. But what would have happened if all thirteen
1: didn't? I think that would have led to a different level of chaos.
0: I think you would have almost immediately had a civil war. Yeah. I think the civil war was inevitable from the beginning um, and not because of slavery, because of all the other shit that went on. Um, I'm not one of those people that says the civil war was about states' rights. It was about much more than that. And if you're someone that says the civil war is only about states' rights or it was only about slavery – you haven't picked up a book recently, and you need to educate yourself. Uh, humans are more complex than that. But the Civil War was bound to happen. I feel. I mean, just from the fucking founding of our nation, I mean, the the states weren't getting along. Um, I have a feeling that the founding fathers thought that uh, New York was the one that was going to go ham,
1: and they try did. And- because we were the one up. that was like, we're not going to ratify this shit. And they're like, oh shit, we got to write 77 billion articles to convince New Yorkers <laughs> to ratify this. We're going to sell this to you guys. We're always the worst, we're the problem.
0: Yeah. But it's, I, so I feel like nine out of 13, you get a majority in the worst case scenario nine versus four you have you got good odds there but
1: yeah considering the four that may not have ratified it probably would not have created a unified nation so you would have had four city-state nations against a unified nine nations in a potential war
0: yeah and and for all intensive purposes you know out of those four obviously new york would have been one of them but Virginia most likely would have been on the side of ratifying it. Um, and which, you know, you get Virginia and anybody else, and no other state would have lasted on their own. And I think by not having it as a majority, you don't, they, it gives them leverage to prevent any one state from being a dick. Yeah. Because if you require a majority, Rhode Island could be like, well, we want to be, you know, first on everything. Otherwise, we're not going to ratify shit. Instead, because it's nine out of 13, Rhode Island was like, we're going to be first because please don't forget about us. Yeah. Or is that that Delaware?
1: It might have been Delaware. It was Rhode Island or Delaware.
0: They're both shit states. Takes you two minutes to drive through them.
1: Yeah. Well, it. That was your introduction to revolution and governance. Uh, we this got might more... be two parts. <laughs> yeah, it might be two parts. We got more coming at you. The next plan is episode uh, will be the amendments and potentially our recommended amendments to the Constitution, but we will go through the existing amendments. Um, yes. And then to our founding uh, name, the Bull Moose Party, the Progressive Party of 1911, uh, we want to review that party platform with you for episode three or four depending on if this is at two parts <laughs> might be uh, six god i hope not i mean it's it's a, over two hours that could be a single episode but i might split it into two but aaron it has been great this is a lot of fun um especially since we do at times bring differing opinions to it and after just talking about uh groupthink uh we're not fully groupthink on here perfect so that should be have a good one
0: all right jake until thank next you. time yep to Bye. all of our our listeners uh stay safe stay happy keep thinking yes keep thinking podcast is